Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at the Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. And I'm Pete Wright. Dramatic line, dramatic line, dramatic line takes drink. <laughs> there it is. Today we're talking about Minute 102, which begins with pinning the blame for everything to Loki and ends with the Mark 7 attaching itself to Tony. Joining us on the show today, we have film critic Ewan Graff from the Quiet On Set podcast. Hello, Ewan. Hey, guys. Yay! Uh, we're thrilled to have you joining us uh, for the next four minutes, and then you'll be back in a, in a few weeks. Um, so, my first question for you, uh, since we are talking uh, starting today through the end of the week, basically, I mean, why did you pick this section of the film to uh, to talk about? Well, I don't want to spoil, I guess, the upcoming minutes yet. Uh, is this something that's allowed on on the show? It is allowed. Is yes. that okay? Okay, okay. Yeah, we'll allow it. Spoiling the Avengers in 2023. Um, <laughs> but no, I think it just en encapsulates really what, what works well uh, about this movie, that it has like these kind of raunchy jokes as well that land for an older audience, but it's just also very hyped to see it all come together. And I feel like in these uh, couple of minutes, we, we get the best of, of that, in my opinion. And uh, like, especially where we start off uh, right at uh, right at the get-go with Loki confronting Tony Stark. I think that's very well put, put together at the moment there. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, we are at this point, Tony has poured himself a drink, and now he's, it's this confrontation between the two of them. I mean, we know, we've kind of seen that there was an ulterior motive for Tony to go through this. You know, he did manage to get his bracelets on that are part of the Mark VII suit, and we'll see that play out uh, later in this minute. But really, I mean, we're at this point where he and Loki are having this confrontation here, and and uh, Loki has just kind of made his threat, and Tony comes back with his line, if we can't protect the Earth, you can be damn well sure we'll avenge it. Which, uh, in a movie called The Avengers, I suppose, we're waiting for somebody to say something like that, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, it sort of gets a pass that they didn't use the actual title, like, we'll be the Avengers for it. Like, I, I'll give it a pass. That's one of my huge pet peeves is using the name of a movie in the movie. But this is perilously close to being stupid. Perilously close. Well, but I mean, it, it's the the name of the group. And, you know, he did say it a little bit ago. But I mean, I suppose when it's the name, it's less of a problem, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's the name of the group. Right. I mean, it's like that's in a right. movie called it's Iron like Man. Is it weird when they say <laughs> Iron Man? I mean, that's no. So We've just talked about that uh, not five years ago, but I the first movie that I went to is a movie we've never talked about, The Commitments. Like, why would I, The Commitments? Robert, I think Robert Downey Jr. should have been in an Irish uh, R&B band. The thing <laughs> is that he is so peak Tony Stark here that I just, like, how can you not love this 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 exchange between Loki and Tony. He is so cool in the face of, you know, uh, green leather glad God uh, with the weirdo horns. Like, he's so cool. Uh, and they have a funny moment when Loki tries to scepter him and mind control him. And it plays as a joke. Just don't stop and think about it. Why does he keep poking the center of his chest? Doesn't he? Can't he move the scepter a little bit? I don't know. But uh, I do love the I love the beat a lot. But here's a question. So uh, jumping back a bit, because I definitely want to talk about the chest tap. If we can't protect the Earth, you can be damn well sure we'll we'll avenge it. Is that mean like if the Earth's destroyed, <laughs> like? 
what exactly is he saying here? Well, does it make sense? No, I don't think the destroy. I don't think destroyed is implied. Is destroyed implied? I think if the is it, Earth or is, is it taken over. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to go with taken over. Yeah, because that's what Loki doesn't want to destroy the Earth, right? He just wants to rule it, and uh, he's killing a bunch of people as he comes in. Uh, and yeah. maybe that's also it. Could also be taken as avenge uh, what you've already done to us, I guess, more liberally. But I, I agree. It's a silly. It's a very silly line that doesn't really make that much sense, other than to work the title in somehow. Right. That's exactly what they're trying to do here. Yeah. It's one of those moments. But, I mean, it's all about this army of his that, I mean, you know, they're talking about the Chitauri. And again, they needed to get the Chitauri in. And we'll see the Chitauri soon enough. But, uh, you know, it's it's these constant reminders that there is this army and they may come. And this whole idea that, uh, that you know, we are going to fight against you. And that's kind of where uh, Tony leaves things. And I, su- I suppose... In the scope of Tony trying to come back at Loki with something, I suppose this works. And then I guess it leaves Loki. The, o- the only place he can go next is the old mind control attempt. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and so I, I think there, there one more piece on the Tony thing is I think this is the first time Tony says like him by him saying avenge it is sort of his out loud in the open to the audience commitment that he's an avenger. Right. Like he has had a rough time being a part of the team. And this is his chance to say, OK, we're going to avenge it. And I'm part of the we and I'm I'm on team. I'm on team Avengers. So that's a that's a good thing. This is the this is the moment. And it's played in great Tony fashion as uh, as part of a joke. So, yes, chest out. Plus, well, plus he drinks and he drinks, too, which yes. is very Tony yeah. also. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you clearly saw him react quite uh, like. Visually, uh, viscerally, viscerally, sorry, <laughs> took a few times to get that out there. Um, when Coulson, uh, dies, right? Uh, his, his death. So I feel like that could also be where you bring that avenge theme in there that, that he brings up in that line. Um, and that's like what, what I think what pushes him over the line from all of the people assembled in the Avengers. I think he needs probably to push the most. Um, so it kind of makes sense that, that he says that there in a way you have to string it together, but, but yeah. 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 It's interesting. Like they all take their own little elements to kind of push them over the edge for Steve. It definitely seemed to be the bloody, uh, trading cards for, for Hulk. Uh, Honestly, I mean, this was something that we talked about in previous minutes, but it's kind of, unfortunately the deleted or the extended, you know, scene between him and the security guard, Harry Dean Stanton, about like why he's afraid to get involved in it. And it, you know, it's, it's a, it's a shame that that extended bit got cut because it certainly gave us more of an understanding as to the kind of the internal conflict that Bruce was having there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. They've each kind of had their moments. And again, we were kind of through the, the bottom of the, uh, the, the second act and we're, you know, really kind of pushing things into the third act here with this initial confrontation and, you know, I mean, it plays okay. And then again, it does lead us to this chest tap, this comedic beat. It's supposed to be Loki showing what he can do with the scepter. And of course, when he taps uh, Tony on the chest, he hits him right on his arc reactor and you get that lovely little tink, which, I mean, it, it is kind of funny sound uh, to play. And it's it's a great, again, Pete, this is kind of the way that this director plays the sort of intense moment 
shifted very quickly to a comedy beat because uh like the same thing we had with black widow when she got the phone call you know it's 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 very much that turn on a dime let's shift the tone of this scene and take something dramatic and increase the comedy by shifting it to a comedic beat yes absolutely and I feel like it it works for me, again, because it is a comedic beat. uh, And I love the way both of their heads turn down and look at the staff and the scepter that it's not working. And we get the performance issues line. Performance issues, always funny in a movie, right? Are performance (laughs) issues always funny in a movie? I think so, yeah. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) probably. Yeah. Tony's not wrong with his response. Uh, sexual performance issues, uh, 9 to 25% in men over the age of 40 and 6 to 16% of women affected over of, the age of, of course, 40. Of course, you know that so. because well, I did, you know, this part of the job is doing research <laughs> yeah, on all these part of the things. job. Wink. What if I? Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, I will say, though, does this feel a little bit like a wasted moment? I mean, sure, we have the comedic beat here and everything, but um, I, I don't know. I, I felt like. There could have been something interesting in having him tap Tony anywhere else uh, and and have the answer be like, perhaps the arc reactor blocks its power or something. I just don't know if it does. It, I don't know. Does it end up seeing like it's making Loki less smart by the fact that he's trying to tap in this exact spot both times? I was actually thinking about that because it feels like so many of these moments for Loki are actually positioning him to look more and more stupid as the movie goes on, all the way up to the Hulk exchange later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it feels like they're minimizing. And I don't know if that's a if that's a character choice or just we're going to the battle and we need to see him start to lose at some point. And he, he starts by losing his character and not just the battle when the Chitauri are introduced. I don't know, but it, it does feel like they're, they're making him seem like an idiot. I think it's also the start of the Ch- Chitauri becoming the main antagonist he uh, not the main antagonist but like the uh, thing they have to go up against they have to fight and loki stays pretty much on in one-on-one battle battles mostly for for the rest of it and um yeah i I think that is definitely something there but i think the scepter is from the start i guess you have to tap it to the core uh again i guess with the logic they set up at least they're consistent that he doesn't tap uh or anyone else he uh he mind controls in a different place um but yeah there's there's the potential to have like i guess maybe a part of uh iron man's suit come out and block it in a sense or something like that yeah it it's just it is kind of a frustrating thing and i mean you're absolutely right like from this point forward Loki is the antagonist of the film, but really he becomes the side character. And it's a weird shift that I've never really been a big fan of with this film. And one of the issues I have is because it's like, he's the villain. I want to see him really kind of be the villain of the film. And he is kind of like, once the Chitauri invasion starts, which we're about to get into, he's kind of kind of left by the wayside. And sure, he gets to ride around and do stuff and everything, but he just doesn't seem like he's the villain. He's just kind of like the guy who people keep having confrontations with up here in the in the penthouse. To that end, it's, I don't know, I just, I feel like I want a little bit more of him as the primary antagonist. And I, you know, I just, it does feel like they're trying to find ways to just kind of diminish him in these comedic beats from this point forward. 
I guess I guess we'll have to kind of keep our eye on this conversation about Loki as he as we continue. Well, Ewan, just out of curiosity, like what did you think of him as the villain in Thor in in the previous outing that we had with him? Oh god, that was such a long time ago that I saw the first Thor. <laughs> um, but I in- enjoyed him right from the start. I think he he's a great character and where he continues to go, I think he's one of the more malleable uh characters that you got out of the MCU. But I, I agree uh, a lot with like his lack of focus towards the end there because essentially he comes in to take over the earth to rule it. But what he ends up doing is just like bring a bunch of enemies in and then just fight. But there's nothing about like him ruling. Like that goal is kind of really is sidelined quite a bit. Uh, but I like him as a character. Like yeah, all of the beats. I think he can he can uh, go into the more serious notes, the uh, very comedic notes, but then also playing the line of not really knowing what he's actually up to. The god of mischief. Uh, he he earns that title uh, multiple times in throughout the entire MCU. Yeah, I think that really boils down to Tom Hiddleston, who I think has really yeah. connected so much with this character and just brings so much life to him. I really enjoy watching him do it. Mm. And we get a little, uh, you know, sample of his strength in this uh, point as, uh, you know, uh, one of the frost giants slash as guardians that he is as he kind of grabs and tosses Tony, which uh, is a great way to kind of interrupt Tony's joke about performance issues, but also gives us that little shift that we have um, as things are going to go forward. This is Loki kind of shifting and going back to his Neil before Zod mentality, I suppose, with you all fall before me. But also it really plays with that idea of kind of the the Tony tech. And that's really what we're going to get with the rest of this minute as things shift to the Tony tech and how there is this kind of fun. I suppose they're almost starting this trope of Tony tech that seems to be delayed, but it does get there in the end as we have the Mark sevens, not quite ready, but it's going to get ready pretty quick in time for Tony to um, get it just in the nick of time. Yeah. The fact that you even, they give you a hint in this minute of, of the door opening, right. For the launch of the Tony tech. And I think, I think that's, I think that's, Cool. And um, the the thing that I get hung up on is, of course, I, I always stop and think, why would why is Tony still alive? Like, isn't the suit actually chasing just a skin suit filled with jelly at this point after being thrown so aggressively through by his neck <laughs> through that giant? panel of safety glass like i mean it's i don't know we have to go we have to watch the next minute i don't know if he makes it otherwise <laughs> we may not right. you're right it may be just <laughs> jelly it may be just iron man jelly um and uh i uh, of course i i i don't know i shouldn't do this kind of stuff but there are a lot of glass makers who do who looking for their the elusive brass ring of more content have written quite extensively about what would happen if somebody fell through their bit of safety glass and uh, i like this comment there are individuals who have accidentally fallen through windows uh, without sustaining serious injuries there are also people who've survived the ebola virus however in both cases the <laughs> odds are not particularly good <laughs> <laughs> I think the outcome of Tony hitting this glass that with that amount of force probably would make him look not dissimilar from an Ebola uh, casualty. It's not pretty. Jeez, oh, I know, no, gross, I right? No, yeah. so gross. <laughs> the the Mark Seven. So we're gonna we're gonna get to the Mark Seven uh, in just a sec. But it is it, it is kind of fun, you know. Tony gets tossed out uh, 
tumbles end over end a few times and then just like a, a pro skydiver knows how to move his body just the right way so that he can kind of position himself to be falling straight down horizontally with his arms and legs spread out to kind of slow uh, slow the fall ever so much. But the the Mark 7 does burst out. I just don't fully understand. So the the door behind which it's resting are opening but did the doors get stuck? I couldn't figure out exactly what happens, but the Mark 7 blasts through the doors instead of waiting for them to continue opening. Was that just Jarvis rushing it because he knew Tony needed it? That Jarvis is somehow not connected to the door, but is to the launch of the suit mechanism? Yeah, is yeah. I, I couldn't quite figure out why it decides to just, oh, it's going to go through the door because the door is taking too long. It does. You're right. It just explodes through, it destroys a bit of his office in his fancy building. Yeah, and it's a peculiar thing. That doesn't seem smart. And, and it does look like it actually nails Loki right in the head. <laughs> <laughs> in the scope of things, I don't know. I suppose he's already been hit by a bullet and seemed to be fine. So getting hit by this thing. It's not um, even in the you know. head. It's like in the face. Like he takes it right yeah. in the face because he turns around and looks at it. Right. That's yeah. Right. And it knocks unpleasant. him right over. Yeah. So let's talk about this Mark Seven a little bit. The package design. I thought it was interesting. They they did a, a reverse engineering. They wanted it to be kind of this pod shape, and they used. I don't know if it was the same thing that they used, like the team behind the Transformers films used, but they used Luxology Moto to reverse engineer, and that's something where you can say, this is what we want it to look like in the end, the suit that Tony's going to be in. How do we reverse engineer this, break it into pieces, so that it can squeeze down to this pod? It's pretty cool, the way that this whole thing works out. You have the chest plate that forms the top, the thrusters from the boots are the bottom, and that propels it like a rocket. But I, I wasn't sure why they needed to have some of those, um, the shield plates, like, blow off of it. They said that they were trying to treat it like an ICBM where those plates pop off of it. But I don't, I was like, why would you have those on it and not just have them be parts that are worn? I don't know. Regardless, this thing shoots out like a rocket and chases Tony down, opening up. And now we get to see the, the seventh version of a suit for Tony to be wearing. Um, we're not going to get to finish it. We'll we'll get to kind of talk about the finished version of it tomorrow. But, I mean, let's talk a little bit about this pod, the way it attaches to Tony, the return to the circular unibeam. You know, you and are, were you a fan of Iron Man and kind of the different iterations of him in the films? Uh, yeah, I've I've liked him. I think the the first one is still a really really solid film in the in the MCU. A great starting off point, and it's it's fun to see like the different iterations of the suit as it evolves, and it evolves so much in, in the later films as well. And uh, yeah, I, I think here it's it's a great design. It, it does the job of like you know it's it propels it, this little capsule thing into Loki's head. And then it can expand in a, a uh, fun Transformer-like way. And uh, it, it somehow makes it kind of believable that this is something that could kind of happen, which I can't say the same about like the later Avengers films when, uh, you know, it gets like crazier and crazier with the suit design. Uh, so I, I, yeah. I, I like this. It's, obviously, it's not grounded, but, um, you know, as he flies to the ground, it's, it's the closest we'll get to something grounded, I think. Well, I think that's a that's really the uh, a great point. The fact that this is kind of the last really grounded suit that we get, and we see it. I, I think how many movies do we stick with this one? Like we stick with this one for kind of a long time. It shows up, right? Um, the Mark Seven. That's a great question. I 
am looking right now. We see it in Iron Man three. This film, sure. Iron Man three. Uh, I think is this that's... the Civil War film suit too? He because he doesn't. The next time he gets a new suit is 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 it? Well, Iron Man Lincoln? three. Remember, he's got a ton of yeah, other got all the suits that show up. Maybe Civil War. It says that they just have footage of him in this, but I don't necessarily think that's the one that he's actually hmm. wearing for the bulk of the film. But the, yeah, and then not, uh, the next, no, yeah, okay, Civil War. He's wearing. Uh, let's see, that would be ten, fifteen, sixteen. Uh, he's wearing six. No, sorry, ten forty-six. He's wearing Mark forty-six. Mark forty-six. Of course he is. <laughs> okay, there. But when does it, and it goes? The first time we're introduced to the nano suit is uh, Endgame. That's whichever possible. the first one. Was. Yeah. Well, that's it. We don't need to litigate this that that, <laughs> that far down. But yeah. uh, it is interesting to me that this is a this is a suit we get for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. It goes from like the sensor that it needs to connect to on his wrists to. The whole suit being in the wrist, yeah, which yeah. Is, uh, as a wristband, um, which is which is quite a fancy wristband, um, yeah, well, yeah, and I, yeah, they're they're interesting. The wristbands, well, these little bracelets that he's wearing are, I think, for this particular suit, just used as uh, the connecting tools, like to track Tony. So it's it's finding him with these bracelets, and then uh, knowing, okay, if these are your arms, okay, then we're going to attach here. And um, it's it's probably the closest in design to the Mark V, the briefcase suit. Yeah. But it's, I don't know, I, I think this one is pretty cool. And I like the way that it feels bulkier than the briefcase suit, which felt very light, which was, I guess, part of the point there. Yeah, that that really felt like the travel suit. This this feels like a legit suit, right? This feels like legit Iron Man armor. That never really did to me, the briefcase suit. Yeah. That felt like a break glass in case of emergency suit. Exactly. Right. Uh, something that he could take when needed because it fit into a briefcase. So that was kind of fun. The whole look of this one is nice. And I do like that we're returning to the circular uh, aperture on yep. his chest. I guess I didn't really mind the triangle one so much. In fact, I think it looks pretty cool. I, I think this one is a, a nice suit um, it's a classic. overall. It's a yeah. classic. And as like, it just makes me go back to our, some of our initial like Iron Man discussion, like just the, the way that the arc reactor lo- ended up looking in his chest and the way the wires, it was just a little bit rugged. And now it looks, you know, practically steampunk by comparison to all of the modern <laughs> stuff. I think it looks just great. And I like, I like the throwback. I like how it evolves as well in, in the sense that like, later on, we get the suits that are more easily replaceable and they seem to, be a bit leaner on him as well. And these are really just more bulky. And I think it, it also kind of represents where Tony Stark is at this moment where he feels strong and he like if he gets punched, he like he, he wants to be safe from it in a sense. And then later on, he's like that being afraid of the threat from outside comes in more and more. And it's more about him adapting and healing over and over again. And the suits later on re- reflect that a bit more where they're just broken down and then they kind of form back together and i feel like if something breaks here it's it's broken um and later on he, he's like it's building them in a, in a different way yeah it's really that nanotech that does it just changes things so much and yeah while cool it just there's something about it that doesn't feel as um as present i guess yeah 
Well, we are mid-fall. Uh, the Mark 7 is attaching itself to Tony. I think this is a good place to stop. We can finish our conversation about this tomorrow and talk more about the final look of the suit in tomorrow's minute. So, uh, Ewan, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Tell everybody about your podcast and where they can tune in. Uh, yeah, they can find us on uh, YouTube. Uh, we currently probably done by the time this minute comes out with our coverage from the Gun Film Festival. So lots of movies we get to see there. Uh, so you can go check that out. And we uh, cover new movies uh, each week. Fantastic. Well, we'll have the link for the Quiet on Set podcast, uh, which you do with Lachlan, who was a guest with us a few weeks ago. Yes. And um, yeah, so we'll have links in the show notes. Check that out, everybody. And uh, if you're not seeing the show notes in your podcatcher, just go to our website, marvelmovieminute.com, and you can uh, find everything there. So that's it for today. We'll be back tomorrow with Minute 103. So, Pete, thanks as always. Tomorrow, Andy, we get to find out, is he jelly? (laughs) Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show. Our show.